So the question is, what am I excited about at South yeah, By this year? Well, I'm here to spread the word of podcasts yep. because it's where all audiences are going. Because, like, I mean, I, I want to know why we're all spitballing the same kind of topic areas like we always are, right? Like AR, VR, audio, messaging, emerging tech, right? Like, that, that, that's why I'm here. I want to know, like, what's cutting, like, what's making its way through the clutter. We're here with Nextdoor. The reason we felt we needed to be here is um, this is where brands and clients and agency partners come to figure out what the next big thing is. Welcome to this week's episode of Floor 9, coming at you live from Austin, Texas at South By. Uh, I am your host, Scott Elchison. Uh, Angel is out today. He's on the West Coast, but we have some all-star guests uh, joining the squad today. So, of course, we have uh, Ben Home on the mic. Hey, 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 hey. Smoked meats every day. <laughs> we have uh, special guests from UM Studios. We have uh, Chris Grove and Siraj. So, so welcome. Welcome to the Thanks podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah. I'm glad to be here. But before we dive in, let me give you a quick background on the lab and what we do up here on Floor 9. The IPG Media Lab is a specialized group dedicated to innovation working across the interpublic network. For over a decade, we've been evaluating new technology, identifying how it changes consumer behavior and media consumption, and providing our clients with actionable insights to help navigate the ever-evolving media landscape. Welcome to our podcast. Welcome to Floor 9. Do you guys want to give yourself a kind of an introduction of who you are, how you work at UM, what are your roles, um, and kind of, you know, anybody that doesn't know, yeah, they'll now know. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So uh, both Siraj and I are with the, um, the ACE uh, sector division or department of, uh, yeah. <laughs> of UM Studios. I head up uh, production for the U.S. Awesome. And uh, so I, uh, I head up ACE globally. ACE stands for uh, Addressable Content Engine, which is essentially our uh, data-driven content offering um, out of UM Studios. So uh, work with, obviously, the branded content side as well as the media teams or analytics folks to really come up with uh, – how we're really putting messages in market that matter to audiences that are mm -hmm. relevant um, based on what we know about them. Cool. Yeah. Uh, whatever so they come up with, I have yeah. to make. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 he has to make real. Yeah, awesome. that's fun. So what are you guys doing at South by this year? So actually, uh, it was Grove's idea to come down here. Um, he's uh, worked on the uh, interactive side for years, um, and frankly, he's been here a, a bunch, and now that we're in the interactive space out of uh, UM Studios, and we're really kind of leading the charge with what we're doing from a digital perspective. It just makes sense for us to be down here to see what the latest and greatest in trends are and, and kind of figure out what we can do to help grow our clients' business as well as our business. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so then, you, and, but this isn't your first South by, right? This yeah, is like not, your, your industry, no. industry veteran in, in yeah, some I way. Yeah. I think I want to say this is probably my sixth, maybe something like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. This is yeah. my first. Yeah. This is your first. This <coughs> yeah. is, yeah. This is my, this is my second. And Ben, I believe this is also awesome. your second as also well. Your second. Yeah. as well yes so, veterans yeah so i i usually come down um for all the things that siraj is talking about but for me on the production side it's it's a mix right so <clears throat> you're trying to find the technology side of right. things what's the latest and greatest from a trends perspective what yep. i sort of always try to look at what are the key themes couple key themes that are coming out of the the, the event um and that everybody's talking about right as well as um 
just sort of as a, as a leader or a manager in an organization, there's a lot of things with inclusion and leadership and all that sort of stuff on, on kind of the um, soft skills side of things that I like right. to explore right. as well. And then, of course, there's the trade show, which I get to look, uh, just started sure. yesterday. Right. That, um, you know, take a look at all kinds of different part, potential partners from a production standpoint. Right. Cool. What are, what are some of the trends that you noticed this year? Yeah, it's interesting. So <clears throat> last year was... Um, was very much about kind of the robots taking over, but okay. it, but in, in kind of a physical sense, you know. So it was a lot of um, uh, self-driving cars and mm-hmm. you know robots taking people's jobs and things. Right. Um, Similar to what we saw at CES this year. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Mm, yeah. It's a lot, but a lot it, of autonomy. But what I found what was interesting this year is it seems to have shifted more to the AI sort of yeah. side of things. So it was less about the physicality of. You know the robots and, and all that, and right. it was it was more, more about the brain yeah, yeah, and, and, the, and the software. Yeah, the, the things the you engine. can't see. Yes, yeah. yeah a, lot, a lot of the panels that I saw, the discussions were all around how will AI impact X industry. You know, insert industry here, and a lot of it was more hypotheses as opposed to kind of tangible movement. Is that what you guys saw as well? Yeah, I mean, I think I think first and foremost, um, the issue is, I don't know if everybody really kind of understands what AI is, right? Yes. Like, yeah. the conversation around AI seems to be kind of a buzzword or a term that kind of encapsulates a lot of different types of computing right now, and even some types of things that are not even relevant when it right. comes to artificial right. intelligence. The, uh, the way that we've broken it down is the current forms of what people refer to as AI that are in the market today are machine learning, uh, computer Computer, vision, vision. and natural language processing. And those are kind of the three things that right now we see that our brands could actually take advantage of today. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting because if you think about automation and autonomy and tasks, right, like that's probably from my perspective where where the conversation should start, right? And you look at the, the idea of um, narrow uh, intelligence or yep. uh, artificial mm-hmm. narrow intelligence, and Amy Webb was talking about that. She was that. fantastic, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, like we've been using that kind of uh, auto automation, autonomous use of, of the way, you know, our, you know, our day-to-day lives work, booking on the apps or doing whatever, and that's been going on forever, right? That's been going on since essentially program programming was was real so Mm -hmm. i think i think what's happening now is you see a bunch of bunch of people trying to figure out what that what that quantitative value ends up being later but at the end of the day like i i still don't think this industry has or the industries have grasped the the truth of what ai Mm -hmm. is so the um i i was lucky enough to get into the elon musk q a session and he is I you know I knew that he was very apprehensive about AI, but I really didn't understand the extent of his concern until I heard him talk about it. And he was saying, just to give you an example, he was saying that artificial intelligence is a bigger existential threat than nuclear warheads, and that we need, as humanity, we need to come up with a global set set of uh, ethics and standards that we can that we can teach the AI in order to make sure that it doesn't somehow backfire. An example that he used was, you know, what if what if we programmed the AI to say, 
maximize happiness, right? Mm -hmm. Then <laughs> what the AI could ultimately do is figure out, okay, that means more dopamine and serotonin, plug us all in and, and jack our brains full of dopamine and serotonin. <laughs> yeah. So that wouldn't necessarily be right. The thing that he said, just kind of as a high level um, philosophy, I guess, was to maximize freedom. That was kind of like the very high level thing that he he could kind of wrap his head around that that he liked, but he was very very concerned and and it actually you know brought up an interesting point. He he talked a lot about SpaceX and how you know, people have talked about how oh it's just going to be an escape hatch for rich people, and the way that he started to for, to he that he was alluding to it was actually a way to decentralize civilization in case something happens where we need to have humanity somewhere else that can then rebuild or recolonize earth at right. some point i heard that they did um they did ask him that once we were living on mars what was it what would his official title be right yes he <laughs> said emperor <laughs> emperor of course. Of course. And, and i think i mean that's it, it it's interesting that he has such a almost pessimistic view on artificial intelligence and, and the uses of it. And then, you know, and you think about what uh, Mark Zuckerberg's putting out there in, the, in yep. the world right now in terms of like uh, basic income, basic universal income, and uh, the machines are just going to do everything that we don't want to do. And mm -hmm. everybody's life is going to be easy and happy and this, that, and the other. So I think the reality is the people that are making these decisions, they're imprinting their own psychographic thought process on it, which the computer's still a computer. Right, like right. Mm -hmm. the 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 code is still code, um, and and it's our decision in terms of what emotion we want to be able to imprint on it. So, right. I mean, I think that in turn, you know, like we as humans have tendencies to be good or bad or both, right? And I think the fear is that the AI will have that, but at the end of the day, we're gonna make the decision on that. Right, and this and so it, this was funny. We were um, we met up with an old uh, colleague, and the idea of you know, the inherent ground truth data set that these algorithms have to be trained on, uh, there's an inherent bias in there. And how do you how do you go about, you know, extracting that bias out of the, the algorithm? Because it's like, the, it, you can only train it on what it knows, and if all data is biased, then there's, there's, there's no way to like, you know, have an unbiased algorithm. Mm -hmm. And when it's making, you know, powerful decisions, you know, for example, it's like, they always say the example of a car, an autonomous car, it's like, well, do you save the people in the car, or do you save the person on the street? Like, who makes that decision? Like, so mm -hmm. it's a, very right. interesting. Amy, Amy Webb, who you mentioned earlier, who's a, a NYU professor and a futurist, had a couple really kind of dark versions of that. One of the things that I, I didn't realize is that AI has now gotten to the point where it is, can create what she was calling a child AI. So <clears throat> it's actually so what you're saying with a bias is right. it's actually spawning its own um, version of itself and then teaching it. Um, really in an evolution or a learning type way to do what it needs to do to sort of expand its focus and i didn't realize we had actually reached that point where that was happening elon musk brought that up as well in the use case of AlphaGo, which is you know the the computer system that started to learn, learn go, and yeah. play go and and was beating the best in the world and then it was beating everyone in the world simultaneously and then there was alpha zero which beat alpha go a hundred to zero so the rate of acceleration for these 
artificial systems is shocking, and that was right. one of the things that he was really concerned about. Yeah, and about. I think uh, the, the second um, alpha that you were talking about, I think uh, they said it was like seven within 70 hours it had right. mastered, it had yeah. learned the game and just by playing it itself yeah. over yeah. and over again. Yeah, but and, but again, like that, that, that's the one thing, it's like that's that, that's that narrow intelligence. So right. that, it can do one thing and it can do it super, super, super well. So it can play Go, but it, you ask it, you know, what's the weather? Can't, can't help you on that. Yeah. Right. Cool. So, um, that was all very important, but I want to <laughs> yeah, move yeah. on to um, something else that's very important. Suraj, as a native Texan, native, I yes, think sure. that everyone would be interested to know what your recommended barbecue spot in Austin is. You know, I actually tried Terry Black's for the first time. Okay. Uh, but, you know, look, there's the, an Obama made it more famous than it already was. There's obviously Franklin's if you're willing to hang out in the line. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, look, you, you, there's Lambert's, but you can't go wrong with brisket in this town, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's what... That's what Texas is known for. You know, there's different types of barbecue regionally. It's uh, it's as uh, it's as regional as uh, colloquialisms are. You know, in the world. Uh, but you know, um, if you're into a little bit of hot and spicy, a little bit of uh, the dry rub or some mop, that's what you come down to Texas for. That's great. So. <laughs> I, I like mean nice. So we had we had Lambert's, which was fantastic. That was really Lambert's good. was really good. Yeah. So the barbecue we had this week was it was Ironworks, Lambert's, yep. and Stubbs. And I think Stubbs. Stubbs does, is really I good. think Stubbs took it for me as well as I now have three free like like seasoning rubs in my backpack mm -hmm. coming home with me so i'm, pr I'm pretty I think excited. That's, that's i'm pretty excited about that I, uh, kind I feel bad that i didn't mention stubs but yeah stubs like i use i use their their mop all the time when i'm making it at home so mm -hmm. i think they should just rename south by southwest to meat over meat because <laughs> that seems to be what we were doing a lot of right. <laughs> discussing meat, meat, business solutions over meat right what i like to do is because uh, i'm not here very often i'm here right. in south by is if i get the chance i try to go outside of austin and go to like a lockhart or wherever yeah. to try to get to you know something like so that the journey to the barbecue becomes part of the experience yeah. so speaking right. of going outside of austin the big hotness that everyone was talking about this year was the Westworld experience, which I know, unfortunately, none of us none were of us. able to have an invitation it's, to, yeah, but it sounded like it was very, very compelling. That was, so I was in between my stints of sitting in the Hyatt place in downtown Austin between the partner meetings. It was all, I was just checking the news cycle and it, all I saw was it was the HBO Westworld was everywhere. Like that was, that was the hotness um, for South by. And then once Elon Musk came out and crashed the panel, that was it. And then that, that, that was that, that yeah. was like, that was like the big, like the big news cycle for, they had uh, the for South by. Yeah. 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 I mean, Westworld, I mean, they put in the effort this time around. I mean, with that, you know, they've had branded buses. They did the, they did the town. They had Elon Musk come out on their panel, like, and he a answered like questions from the audience. So yeah, I mean, I think, I think if, uh, HBO put a concerted effort into being here for that, right? right. Like, mm -hmm. I think it was kind of like what uh, what we did with Hulu last year with Handmaid's Tale, right? So Hulu really put that effort in, and I think you know that. And Grove, you can talk about this more, but the experiential work that that these um, you know telecasts are doing is pretty pretty impressive. The experiential stuff is really interesting, and it really. Um speaks to this trend that we've seen of how live action role play is yeah. is kind of Big becoming Big way more mainstream right so for those of you that don't know the westworld experience that was here they basically bought or rented about 50 acres of land and recreated sweetwater which is the town that you enter in the in the show and so you go through the whole onboarding experience that we see from the show. You get to choose whether you're a black hat or a white hat, and you get a storyline that you can just kind of hang out and, and kind of progress while you're 
in the experience itself. And we've seen uh, announcements that Disney is planning on opening a LARPing hotel in Florida that is specifically a Star Wars hotel. Yep. So you pay probably an exorbitant amount of money, which people will because they're, you know, there's so many um, diehard Star Wars fans and you get a character and there are different events and everything. And, and it could become this really interesting new uh, kind of hospitality experience. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. uh, the way I've heard it described is it's like it's like a real version of Battlefront, right? Like yeah, uh, right. the Star Wars game. It's right. like a you know massively multiplayer or whatever world, and yeah, you you basically hang out in the hotel and you're you know you get your Jedi or your you know your your freight pilot whatever you want to be, and you kind of go out and kind of experience it yourself. So it's it's interesting. And then I mean, look, part of that is probably what you see with a lot of the AR VR technology coming into play. Even yep. the Google the YouTube house was was all about interactive video and, right. and engagement. I think where we're pushing ourselves and and our and our and our especially in the entertainment world is I think we're pushing ourselves to be more a part of the story rather than um, you know just be a passive viewer of the story I think that's that's something that we've wanted to do in society for a long time but um, we're finally getting there where the technology and the, and the computer uh, the computing power is uh, available to us mm -hmm. to do that kind of stuff yeah right? there was vr and ar was featured heavily in a lot of the brand houses uh that i went to sony wow studios had it accenture had a multiplayer mobile ar game where you could remotely uh, plug into this arena whether you were playing on a vive or an oculus or from an ipad running ar kit um, Ready Player One was a yep. pretty interesting uh, installation that they had here where they basically recreated the stacks on the second floor of a event space. Yeah, and for those that don't know, the stacks are where uh, the main character in the movie lives. That's like his housing complex. It's literally just stacks of RVs. Yeah, uh, and so you kind of go into one of the RVs and they have eight different VR experiences that they built specifically for the film, which is... You know, makes a ton of sense because Ready Player One is absolutely the right IP to, yeah. to yeah. be able to leverage that type of experience. And South by Southwest, you're reaching the core audience of people who are interested in virtual reality. But I'm wondering from your guys' perspective, how important do you think it is it for brands to get involved with virtual reality? Do you think that it's a uh, passing fad or do you think it's something that can really be activated today? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think um, I expected to see more and more VR this year. And actually, I feel like I'm seeing more and more AR yeah, or sort of mixed experiences, right? Some mm -hmm. level of, um, a lot of these houses have some level of physical interaction as well as, you know, an, an AR component. Um, I think AR is probably a little more accessible from a brand standpoint because, um, you can leverage hardware that is a little more ubiquitous, you know, where I think I've always struggled to try to do a good VR experience for brands. And it's just so hardware intensive yep. that it's hard to, it's hard to really get scale. Yeah. And that kind of from, you know, from like, from our perspective, when we look at it, it's like South by is really becoming this, like it, I'm using it as like a temperature check to see, you know, throughout the year, like how it's responsive in the consumer market. Uh, Cause to your point right now, like there are a lot of barriers to consumer adoption, like the headsets still have tethers, uh, the, the, the actual computers themselves, 
themselves cost you know like eighteen hundred dollars to actually run these experiences. So it's not um, it's just not consumer friendly enough. Where it, it, I think it's really um, you know a viable option for like a, a lot of these like, brands that want like a large reach to like, really you know activate. And yet it's more still kind of like on the ground like location based like super high lift um, like executions. Yeah, no, I, I would I would have to agree with that. I mean, mm -hmm. I think and I think to surmise it, it's really about our technology, our hardware, our our our, our so you know um, the reality of having five or six objects that are all baked into your phone now um, through your camera, through your phone system, through a text system, and all that um, you know a, a video player. Um, it's it it it's gotten us to as far I think. Uh, a, um, you know, we can go with AR and VR while we still have these formats. But as we start getting into like, you know, Apple came out with the first uh, Apple Watch that has the ability to, you know, do full calls off of it. And then the earbuds that connect to it. And, you know, even Amy Webb is talking about like the future of technology where we're looking at glasses and things like that. So as soon as we start incorporating it more and more in our daily lives, I think that's where uh, brands really can start seeing and, and taking the value of it. I mean, um, but you know, we were talking about kind of like brand activations and there's, um, uh, there's, uh, there's definitely, you know, a, a, I think a, like a smaller presence is here from some of the bigger brands. But uh, one of the things that we've been kind of seeing is that, you know, a lot of these activations are, you know, are, are built for sharing this idea that, um, you know, all of the different like Viceland and Yoga Goats, like that's, you know, I, you would obviously post out on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat, whatever it might be. Um, you know, it's, it's this idea that it's like, it's really building these experiences that are, can be published socially and kind of collect that uh, mm -hmm. great, greater social currency. Yeah, Dropbox was doing a live painting of a mural that was so, attracting a lot of attention. Yeah. And they're doing a time-lapse video of it as well, which can be shared. Did you guys take any inspiration from the stuff that you saw this year that you thought maybe sparked uh, some kind of creative thoughts for for any brands i mean i would say like i think you know it's 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 good to see kind of what's what like some of the partners that we are here with we're doing especially when you think about like what youtube was doing with their with their video house and and, and what google's what google had planned around that um and and really you know, my thing is like, where where is it going, right? From an interactivity standpoint, and I think you know we've touched on this uh, already, and it's really about like putting the consumer into the story, into the experience. Um, you know, and and to the comment of like, not as many big brands are coming here. It's like, there's a, like brands are looking for ROI. They're looking for a return on on the that dollar that they're going to spend here. And so, you know, if you're going to come out here and and it's not, you know, just let's go let's go have as many meetings with potential clients clients and partners they, they they have to they have to be smart about where they're spending their money so uh, some and and that's why I think you see a lot more uh, in the interactivity shows at least uh, more um, entertainment based uh, like stars was here you were talking about you know we're talking about Google and, and YouTube so like there's a lot more emphasis I mean Westworld right they kind of own yep. the show it's these are all major entertainment companies and and that's really where I think um, you know it's whether it's just the trend now for South by this year or the last couple of years or where it's going to keep going. But, um, the reality is like, that's, I think that's where people are. 
Right. I think one of the interesting things for me was, um, you know, obviously video is is everywhere here, but also there seems to be this return to the voice, you know, as be, whether it's uh, we, we were talking about um, addressable radio with some of the partners, um, as well as just sort of is voice becoming the new everything? Well, you know, between right. the chatbots um, or is it the new password? Is it the new bio? You know, so I think creatively um, thinking of going almost back to this format that's been around for so long but how do we how do we now do something really creative with it and highly targeted yep. I think is a really interesting thing that I, I yeah. hadn't necessarily explored to its fullest coming into it and now mm-hmm. I definitely want to try to push a little bit Scott who was the partner that you met with that was doing the audio triggered ads probably called Instreamatic, and um, they are a company that has built a technology that allows you to have a call and response conversation through an ad in a audio native, you know, formats. The idea is that, uh, and I think the the best place this fits is where is where audio spoken audio is the natural environment. So, for example, in a podcast or you know on, on a music platform, uh, users are just listening to the content and they're prompted to actually have a conversation with this ad unit. So let's say it's. Um, you know, Peyton Manning, you know, sponsoring some sports team or sports drink. And he just says, you know, we'd like to know more about football, you know, like, like, let's have a conversation. And you can say, yes, Peyton, want to hear more or like, yeah, let, like, let, yes, let, 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 let's have a conversation. Uh, so I think it's a pretty new, interesting way to kind of engage uh, with a user through like a kind of call and response uh, ad, ad format. I mean, I think, I mean, look, and I think the underlying reality of, of why audio is making a resurgence is because it's, it's so much more. Uh, just user friendly, right? Like, like we as humans communicate through voice mostly, right? Through, uh, and, and the, the quality in which our voice, uh, is, um, is, is, is being kind of projected or orated, right? You can, you can be mad about something or you can be happy about something and say the same sentence, right? Um, and you know, there's, there's a four letter word that means every single thing. It starts with an F and ends with a K, right? Like, well, I won't curse on the podcast, but, uh, but you know, it's like, and, and with that data, with that information that, that the, when you talk about, you know, machine recognition and machine cognitive learning, like that's the type of information that we, we can then reuse and reprogram into saying, look, I just need to find the information as a human as, as quick and as concisely as possible. And, and me talking about like, for example, something that's in the media business around like cost per thousand CPMs and things like that. I can use short forms with Grove and we can talk about it. And, and someone that's not in the industry won't understand me. So getting the systems and the, and the and the machines to actually understand what I'm trying to get across by the the short terms and the short knowledge and that's where I think the power of what you know you see with the data the power of what you see with audio and the power of what you actually see with what is artificial intelligence I think that's where you the conversions is coming I mean any other like big trends that you, that you guys kind of saw like I've been mean, got the takeaways takeaways yeah, one know, of the things that I really liked that was not uh, necessarily a technical thing was just diversion and inclusion is yeah. a big theme yeah. you know so we we uh, went to an, we went to the Melinda Gates um, panel, which was fantastic. Yeah, women in leadership. And, yeah, you know, she had some. She had some really rock star, um, you know, uh, women in, in, in positions of, of power, like uh, Stacy Brown, uh, Philpot, and uh, yeah. Joanna Coles and Melinda Gates. So, like, four extremely powerful women, and four women that have seen a lot in a lot of different industries, and, and just having that conversation and just being a part of it and kind of being the ally or you know what we're supposed to be. Uh, it's uh, it was very interesting. Yeah, and it wasn't. It, what I thought was really 
really great is it wasn't just um, theoretical, so to speak, like, oh, you know, you got to be diverse and inclusive. No, that we have the data now. It shows mm-hmm. that businesses perform better that when the more diverse and the more inclusive they are. It's a, it's good for business in every way. And it's and it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know. I think in reality is you have to look. These are these are women in the industry that you we should as men be following, right? And looking at their example of, hey, what are the things that they're trying to do, and how can we um, ally with them to make them happen? So, absolutely, I couldn't sit it better myself <laughs> now i'll say you know i appreciate you guys doing this and uh you know i know we talked about this off off uh, off mic but you know it's it's good that you know we have you guys with floor nine and ipg media labs trying to put put content out and really be kind of thought leaders in the space you know it's we get wrapped up in a lot of what we do for our clients day in and day out and media plans and and content briefs and production requirements but at the end of the day we got to take the time to to really make sure that we're we're out there and not only on behalf of the brands but also also on behalf of the people that are listening and interested in this space, right? So kudos to you guys. Really, really, really smart work, really good work, and uh, keep it up. Uh, I, I hope the rest of the podcasts are like this. But yeah. like, I, I, I'm going to download it, definitely listen to some Floor 9 from now on, yeah. now, that, now yeah. that we've been on. Well, yeah, thanks so much for having us. Yeah. Definitely have thanks at least for one more Floor 9 fans. That's excellent. Yeah. We, do it, we do it day by day, yeah. word of mouth, you know, word of mic. So thank right. you for coming on. It was You guys are amazing and awesome. Um, And if you're looking for more great content, please check out our website, ipglab.com. From there, you could access our Medium blog. Uh, Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at IPGLab. Subscribe to our newsletter. Uh, That's that's a pretty fantastic weekly article. Uh, You can do that through ipglab.com. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you know, please feel free to reach out to me directly at scott.elchison at ipglab.com. And if you like what you hear, share, tell a friend, you know, leave us an iTunes review, uh, whatever you can do. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, so thank you. Talk soon.